I exit LAX and the warm air slaps me awake. We play ourselves by Jen Silverman. I read that. Welcome to I Read That. I'm Katie Gray. And I'm Aaron Sabrin. And this is the show where we pick a monthly genre and read books in the category discussing everything in between two covers. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode... 29. Yay! I didn't write it down. <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> 29, almost 30. Almost. It's almost as old as... Well, actually, we're as old as you now. Yeah, that's true. It's exciting. 29. Yep. Almost 30. It's an age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd tell you that once you turn 30, your body will start to fall apart, but yours did it early. Yeah, it decided to uh, speed up the clock on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Were you? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's probably all the people you cart around on probably. stretchers. Stretchers are heavy. People are heavy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, landscaping for seven years before this wasn't easy. Nearly being killed by a tree. Yeah, so. I'm glad you did not die. Yeah, I guess, eh? <laughs> it almost got really dark <laughs> were you a theater theater kid growing up no no neither was i i was not i was a band kid um but in my adulthood i have directed plays before wow you're such a nerd wow church plays probably actually no i directed shrek the musical <laughs> shrek the musical yeah yep oh god yep i was I was the vocal coach and co-director for Shrek the Musical. Wow. Hey, listen, that's a really great Broadway show. Shrek the Musical. Yeah, I'm sure. It's actually really it's actually really good. And there's a quick change in it. So, like, I was back there helping, like, coordinate and choreograph the quick change. Like, it was a whole thing. Sounds like a whole thing. Yeah, it is a whole thing. Wow. Well, I was not a theater kid or what, a band what kid. Kinda, what kind of kid were you? Uh, sit in the corner and read kid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So one of the quiet, weird ones. Yeah. The hung out with all the goths. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I dress normal, but the rest of the people <laughs> did not. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> I dyed my hair black once. So it was really hard to go back to blonde. Oh, my gosh. Well, your best friend, your best friend, Ash, is very eclectic in her style. To she this, is, to this day. Very to this day, she still has colored hair. Yeah, she does. Right? Yeah. And she wears bold outfits i would yeah sometimes not all the time but sometimes yeah she and i are quite the pair when we go out together yeah yeah but i you with your your bun and your hoodie and your leggings right. and then ash just like dressed to the nines man She's so fancy she puts thought into everything she i know wears. and just like her outfits for disneyland are gonna be like perfect it's gonna be um like a phase. Like hers are gonna be perfect. Mine are gonna be like oh, I thought about it for two weeks, and yours will be like I went and got something this yeah, morning because I'm physically uncomfortable with any or, attention. Or yours will be I bought what Ash told me to get. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> and that's Pretty it. Much. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> but, uh, it'll yeah. be fun. So yeah, that's yeah. I just got back from Disney World. How was that? It was really fun. I went on a new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster. Oh. It was the most fun roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. I lost my voice completely. I could not speak when I got home. I paid wow. to ride it. <laughs> like, I paid money to skip the line and go on the ride. Wow. Yeah. That says something. It was so fun. I rode it twice. Damn. I waited in line twice. Damn. That's that's commitment. You don't like roller coasters. No, though. they make me anxious. <laughs> Just like everything else. I love roller coasters more than anything in the whole world it was the most fun roller coaster i've ever been on i'll probably try and like go on like one or two rides but like nothing super fancy i don't think my heart can take it 
Well, there's a lot. There's not. There's rides that are not roller coasters at Disney that we can go on. Okay. Don't yeah. worry. There's like like Haunted Mansion. I think you would like that one. It's super slow. It's just like a coffin tour. You sit in a coffin Perfect. and go around. I think you. I think you'd like it. <laughs> That's more my speed. Yeah. Yeah. That's more my speed. But it'll be really fun. <laughs> Uh, Should you do you want to do you want to give us a disclaimer? I'm actually excited to talk about this book with you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Disclaimer. Uh, these are our opinions. Our humor is dark. You like what you like. There will be spoilers. Please read the show notes for trigger warnings for this episode. There's going to be quite a few. And Katie doesn't want to offend anybody with her book reviews. So don't mind her. <laughs> <laughs> Just adding that in there. It's been a while. Actually, I really uh, don't have any issues with offending this particular author, but there you go. Anyways, would you like a book summary before we get into that? Man, I would love one. Okay, let me give you a book summary. I think it's a pretty good one. Not too long ago, Cass was a promising young playwright in New York, hailed as a fierce new voice and queer feminist and ready to spill the tea. But at the height of all this attention, Cass finds herself at the center of a searing public shaming and flees to Los Angeles to escape and reinvent herself. There, she meets her next-door neighbor, Caroline, a magnetic filmmaker on the rise, as well as the pack of teenage girls who hang around her house. They are subjects of Caroline's next semi-documentary movie, which follows the girls' clandestine after-school activity, a fight club inspired by by the violent classic. As Cass is drawn into the film's orbit, she's awed by Caroline's drive and confidence, but over time, she becomes troubled by how deeply Caroline is manipulating the teens in the name of art, especially as the consequences become increasingly disturbing. With her past proving hard to shake and her future one she's not no longer sure she wants, Cass is forced to reckon with her own ambitions and confront what she has become to believe what she has come to believe about the steep price of success. That is definitely what this is about. It's exactly what this book is about. Yeah, that's a very uh, on-point book summary. Yeah. I was. There were things in this book that shocked me, and there were things in this book that were exactly what I knew they would be. Interesting. But we can get into that. Yeah, we should do other tidbits. Yeah. Do you have a bunch? No. I do. Okay, so I'll go first. <gasps> really? Yeah. I had the hardest time researching this chick. You go, you go. Okay, so her parents were a chemist and a physicist. Did you know that? Dang. Yeah. And she moved around a lot as a child, mostly living in Japan and France. Wow. She speaks four languages as well. And believe it or not, she was not a theater kid growing up, but she did know that she wanted to be a storyteller. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So she's done plays. Uh, this is her f debut novel, I guess. Her plays feature strong female characters as well as queer characters. She wrote a play called, this is a really long title, so bear with me. This play is called Collective Rage. A play of five boops. In essence, a queer and occasionally hazardous exploration. Do you remember when you were in middle school and you read about Shackton and how he explored the Arctic? Imagine the Arctic has a pussy and it's sort of like that. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> so the play is about five different Betty Boops coming together to discuss their vaginas while staging uh, Shakespeare's A Midnight Summer Dream. And they don't all look like the hypersexualized Betty Boops that we're used to. There's also boops that are butch lesbians as well as multi ethnic. Hmm. I know that's a lot to unpack there, isn't I... it? I. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yeah. When I was researching this woman, I found like blog posts and different things. Do you remember when I tried really hard not to call an author a narcissist? And I don't think this woman's a narcissist. Yeah, I remember. But I have no problem saying no. that this woman is very pretentious. 
Do you remember when we um, did House of Leaves and we were researching the author and he was very much like, my process is so like artistic and so special. And like, do you remember that? I got the yeah. same vibe from her Yeah. of like, you don't understand That's my fair. art. My art is different. My art. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're the kind of person I hate. Yeah, I have one more. No, no, go ahead. I just wanted to let you know that I think this one is very pretentious. I think that's fair. That's a fair statement. In her spare time, she doodles. In particular, she draws suicidal penguins and pandas eating glue or carrying dynamite. She posted on Instagram under the panda is sad. Aaron? (laughs) What am I doing right now, Aaron? Are you Googling the panda is sad? I'm opening Instagram. And I am changing it to the I Read That Podcast Instagram. And I'm going to look up The Panda is Sad. The Panda is Sad. There she is. And that is not her. (laughs) This is a teenager. Let me find her. This panda is sad. There it is. Well, we follow follow her now. Yeah? Is it what it says it is? She, She lied. There's not very many doodles on this Instagram. It's just a lot of artsy pictures of her. Oh, gross. Anyways... Uh, what kind of um, tidbits did you get? Literally nothing. Literally nothing. Excellent. Uh, I like at the top. At the top of my author tidbits, it says she's a playwright. I don't know, man. I couldn't find much about her. How did I find stuff? I don't know. I was I looking very, very early this morning, and I don't think I really cared because I found her to be very pretentious, insufferable, and int- uh, yeah, and pretentious. Which. That takes a lot for Katie to say. Dude, it really does. Because if she hears this and she hears that I think that her she's pretentious about her art. Let me just clarify and say, I think most artists are pretentious and are like, my art is special. Your art is unique, sure. But your art is not elevated to this level that makes you like this, that your opinion is suddenly important. I think that you have some feelings on this. <gasps> There's a cookie cutter in here. Where did that come from? I don't know. You just turned anyway. your head like it ran away too, so it was really funny. <laughs> like, there's a cookie cutter, <laughs> and then you watched it. I just noticed it. Okay, so I did get some info about the book she wrote. Okay, tell me. Okay, enlighten me. So the title is "We Play Ourselves." She said it has two meanings. This is what she said. The first is we perform ourselves, whether you're suppressing your rage, showing your family one face and your friends another, monetizing or commodifying your identity in order to succeed in a system. That's one kind of performance. Then there's the flip side of it. We play ourselves like we trick or delude ourselves. Hmm. So that's kind of the, the meaning of the title. And the question was asked, like, what do you hope people get out of your book? And her answer was, I hope people get a, have a good time. Wow. She also hopes that you get comfort in knowing that success can look like a lot of different things and is not the same for every single person, just like Cass had to kind of navigate in the book. I don't know who's having a good time reading this book. I'm just going to say it. You picked this book. I did pick this book, and I am excited to talk about it because there are aspects of this book that I have very strong opinions about, but like... This was not a good time book. Like, I wasn't reading this thinking like, oh, 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 this is so funny or ha, 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 this is great. Or like, I wasn't, it was certainly a book that makes me want to talk about it and I want to stop thinking about it, but I wasn't having a good time. Hmm. That's it. That's all I have to say. That's fair. Okay. I'm going to do our ratings so we can talk about this book. So our ratings are out of 15 points, a max of five points for each category. Categories are characters, book space, and world building slash storytelling. There we go. What did you give it? I want to know what you got first. Do you? 
Yeah, I do. Do you think it's going to be above or under 10? Under 10. Okay, it's 7. Oh my gosh, okay. I gave it um, a 9, but I did have it as, as a 7 before. And then you changed it? I changed it to a 9, and I'll tell you why. Okay. When we get there. What did you give it for characters? 2. I also gave it a 2. Okay. Everybody is very hateable. <laughs> like, every character, you just, like, there's nothing appealing about them. They were fine. Cast was fine, I guess. Like, I guess. Like, it was fine. The tone of the book and the characters felt very confused at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just... The characters all seemed real. Yeah. And I say that as someone who has experience with L.A. people. And that's what I want to talk about more than anything with this book, is the L.A.-ness of it. Because I have experience with L.A. people. I have experience with people who work in the film industry. I guess, eh? And they're the worst type of people. <laughs> the worst okay. type of people in the world. I, it's awful. It's horrible. I hate L.A. culture. I hate Hollywood culture. I, ha- I hate <laughs> film culture. It's, gr- like, there are a few things that grind my gears more than that. And this book, yeah, anyway, the characters were not likable. Anything else about the characters? No. Okay, pace. I gave it a two, but I was going to give it a one. I gave it a two. What did you think about the pace? Oh, I actually gave this book a five. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, <clears throat> let's just fix that. I wow. uh, gave this book a five out of 15. Uh, apparently, um, Aaron can't count. Um, so yeah, I gave this book a five. That's really low. So I, you, I, you gave pace two. Um, I gave pace two. I gave characters two. So the last part of the book is what sold this book for me when she moved back in with her parents and created the creepy miniature humans. Yeah, I did see your Goodreads review this morning. So I'm a little <laughs> bit spoiled that you hated the first two parts, but you liked the third. But it didn't save it enough for me to read it again. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the pace? I found it frustrating. Mm. I hated I hated waiting to find out what happened. Like all this build up to like what she did to this chick. It's really like you you like clawed her eye. Okay, cool. You didn't pop it out like Kaz Breaker. Right. Like w- Right? Like pull it together. I can tell you just read that book. <laughs> you could have done better. I know. <laughs> but it just the pacing was annoying. There was no re- the flashbacks were annoying. Remember what Andy Weir says? Like there was no value to these flashbacks. Make them meaningful. Ma- and there was no meaning because it's not like she was regaining memories. Mm-hmm. She was just avoiding her life. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. Yeah, I totally feel that. So uh, world building. What did you give it? I gave it a five. Okay, I gave it a one. Yeah, so, okay, the reason I gave it a five is because she really did a good job of portraying L.A. culture. Hmm. She did a really good job of portraying L.A. people. She did a really good job of that whole culture on that film set of how, like, I will be a horrible person for the art. Hmm. That is L.A. culture. That is film culture. Like, that is it. And so I thought she did a really good job because as someone who hates L.A. (laughs) Spoiler. Surprise. As someone who hates L.A., she really did capture the things I hate most about L.A. And that is the fact that nothing is true. Nothing Hmm. is reality. And I thought she did a really good job of portraying that. That's fair. So I give this book a one and I went kind of in the opposite direction. This book is sold as a progressive queer read. And I want to talk about that. 
Mm-hmm. There's language in this book that suggests genitals equal gender, which I thought was really a hot take for the author to make. Just one of the quotes I found, uh, you don't need a dick to start a fight. You don't need a dick to win a fight. Okay, so this is supposed to be a progressive book. The main character is a self-proclaimed feminist, says nothing to this, but she is a queer, she is queer herself. I think that genitals equals gender talk in this book it could offend and trigger a lot of the trans community. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't read it that way because the, because they were specifically talking about these teenage girls who like identified as, you know, they were, they were born female and are female. Yeah. But the, but the, like the undertone of the talk was kind of like your genitals equal your gender. That was kind of like the undertone, especially. And then the main character was like, I don't want to put a label on my sexuality, but everybody like the whole, like a big focus of this book was putting labels on things. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting and in how one person, I think it was like the the queer teenager didn't want to put a label on it, mm-hmm. like what she was. And then like they were pushing her to do so, even though the main character doesn't like, anyways, I thought it was really contradictive. It's funny you say that because this morning I, um, I'm not queer like in any way and I don't have a lot of friends that are in that world. And so I don't, I'm pretty inexperienced with like navigating that world in these conversations. So this morning I was trying to do all the research I could to work out what Jen Silverman's pronouns were because I saw they, them in one spot, but I've saw she, her everywhere else. So I was trying to get her definitive statement on what her gender is. And I found this article, this blog post. It's, I mean, it's like an opinion piece, I guess, that she wrote that is titled, My Gender is Masha Gessen. What? <laughs> so listen, so isn't it, and maybe I'm wrong, because like I said, I don't have a lot of experience in this uh, realm or this world, so I could be wrong. But isn't it offensive to make statements like, I identify as, or my gender is, and then like some nondescript thing. My gender is a helicopter. I identify as a whatever. Isn't that an offensive? I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was because I know people who have expressed to me that that upsets them. Trans people who have expressed to me that that upsets them. But this whole article is about gender fluidity and how, like, at the end she goes, uh, where does it say it? She's like, my gender is, is orange. My gender is chrome. My gender is denim. My gender is the doubtful guest. My gender is sunflower yellow. My gender is the photo of Masha Gessen lying on a couch, smoking languidly, giving you a look of intense expectation. And like, just talking about gender as, I don't know, it just seemed really strange. And I couldn't understand what the purpose of it was, what the point of her article was. Like, you're not making a clear statement here. And maybe that's the statement is that gender's for a lot of people not clear. I don't know. Needless to say, I never found out if she prefers she, her, or they, them. Her wiki page is all they, them, but that anybody can edit that. Her personal page, like website is she, her, but it hasn't been updated since 2019, so who knows. But I don't know where she stands on all that. I know she's queer, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All the articles I read was she, her, so that's what I went with. But yeah, yeah, like the messaging in this book was not clear. Like none of the, there's no steady stance that she took within this book you didn't walk away with a i understand this and this was the message hmm. i think that the themes of her book according to her and according to her article was less queer themes and more success and rage those were her two focuses but i did think she made a good point about like the 
the token gay thing that people do. Yeah. Like when they people found out that Cass was bisexual, they were like, oh, you're gay. You should be in our in our group. Be in our group because mm-hmm. you're the gay one. Or like BB, that, that teenager that was queer, like looking at her and being like, you need to identify, like you need to, we're going to make you coming out this big thing. And she was like, I don't, I don't want it. It doesn't need to be a big thing. I don't want it to be a big thing. So like that, I think there was a clear message on that. But I think she was trying to lean in more in on the success and the rage than anything else. And I think those were the biggest statements made. What did you think of the storyline with um, the main characters, Cass's uh, long-term friend and his boyfriend? I was more interested in that story than in her story. I wanted, right. I would be, I would rather read a book about them than about Cass. The only part I could see it like actually adding to the story is that his boyfriend was uncomfortable with coming out to his family and admitting that he had a boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. that's the only reason I could see that they were included in this book. She actually made a comment about that in one of the articles about why she chose for them to be in there. Gosh, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you because she does talk about why they're in there. I thought the scene where he took her to meet his family was freaking weird and just thrown in there for no reason. And why is this in here? Yeah. That was strange. Yeah. So, and then the last part of my world building rant, um, the tampon scene. Oh, when she went to get tampons? No, when uh, they filmed Ming, the underage girl (gasps) playing in the tampon. Dude, that was, I was so uncomfortable reading that. I was like, what do you mean you're filming this chick in the bathroom? Yeah, And like the main character was like, "Eh," but also didn't say anything about it. And then it came up to, well, maybe we should do another person because Ming is black. Right. Right? And so it wasn't even about the fact that she's underage. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that she's ethically different. That scene was so uncomfortable, and but it was, and I'll say this again, LA people. Yeah, I guess. Anything for the art. Yeah. Anything for the art. And that is, that's definitely a, the thing, a thing for LA people. Certain LA people, I guess. Yeah. That, that made me uncomfortable to read. I kept waiting for Cass to say something, but that's the thing. Like, she's not likable. She's not going to speak up. She has no backbone. She's not going to look at her and call Caroline out on the fact that she lied about how she found these girls or how she's manipulating them or how she lied about this chick going missing. Yeah, it was a lot. And I did not enjoy this book. Did you know, did you figure it out that she was lying about BB missing? Oh, yeah. I didn't think that they, she had killed herself. No, the whole time I was like, this chick, she's going to show up at her house and she's going to be totally fine because Caroline wanted it for the tension in her movie. Mm -hmm. So 100%. I almost expected the movie to come out and for Cass to find out that it was about her the whole time and that they were all just keeping her in the dark. But Mm. that would have been interesting. I'm really disappointed with the ending. Are you? I wanted her to make something more out of her little monster she made at home. Yeah. I was like, why did you not... It was a whole big thing. Make something out of that. Even if it was community theater, why did we spend all this time if you're just going to go put them in the trash after you use them for your nativity play? (laughs) Your creepy nativity play. Right. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Uh, I'm never going to read this book again. You're going to give it away? Yeah, I want it out of my brain bank. Do it. Yeah. Just cleanse it cleanse the brain cells so let's do favorite quotes okay i'm gonna try to guess yours first okay i have to get my kindle out because it's still on here oh geez i think we might have picked the same favorite quote for what our favorite quote is because when i picked mine i was like this is a quote aaron would really like but hmm. i picked something that I, that made me kind of laugh hmm. i think mine's serious mine is serious too hmm. well we'll see okay this is what i chose for you okay 
I consider sending Jocelyn a nasty email, but instead I take a deep breath and practice visualizing positive things. I visualize Jocelyn leaving the agency in her strappy high heels and getting hit by a cab. I visualize Jocelyn getting hit by a truck. In my visualization, Jocelyn gets hit by a series of vehicles and is finished off by a horse-drawn carriage, the kind tourist ride. I watch Jocelyn's high heels fly up in the air and her hair blow back. I feel positive. That was funny. I thought that was funny. I did like that part. That's what I picked for your funny, like for your quote, but what's your actual quote? So my actual quote is... But it gives me a reason to stand there and do nothing. I am waiting for someone to complete the task in a place where it is proper and necessary to wait. Hmm. Let me say, I thought the writing was good. Yeah. Like, like I thought it was thoughtful. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever read. No, it was no Brave New World. Yeah. Do you want to try to guess my quote? Yeah. So I think Katie's quote is, Nobody's ever gonna be as happy as you are about the good things that happen, but everybody is gonna show up to watch when shit goes down. Ooh, that's a good quote. Yeah. Is that Helene said that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I liked that. I will say Helene is the one character I liked. She seemed to be the one person who, like, seemed to have it together and was like, uh. She was the only fucking adult. Seriously, the only professional. Right? In existence. That is not my favorite quote, but that is a really good one. Okay, tell me. My favorite quote is. Everybody thinks the whole point is to be happy, but happy is a show you put on for other people. I don't know why it's better to put on a show than sit on your couch and feel whatever you're feeling. Mm, that was a good one, too. Yeah. That was the Tara Jean lady mm. when she wouldn't, like, have lunch with the girl she attacked. Oh, yeah. Who wrote really bad poetry. This whole book was really weird. This whole book was weird, right? Weird in a way that wasn't enjoyable. Yeah, not weird like how high we go in the dark was weird. Yeah. That was a good like weird. Like weird and just, yeah. This is a bad just weird, weird and a like. Katie, this, this is, is a, a bad weird. Dream. I Everything I pick is bad weird. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. This is my last podcast episode. I'm so sorry. You picked a novella for October, so I think we're going to be okay. I know. I started it. I do have an extra quote. Okay, tell me. It's not even that good. I don't even know why I put it here. It's this. Falling in love always makes me hate myself because eventually all I can see are the parts of myself that other people wouldn't like if they knew them about me. Mm, yeah. Stuff like that. I thought there were like little snippets in this book that were like, oh, that's that's a that's a cool way to say X, Y, or Z, or that's good, or that's a lot. Yeah, but it didn't save the book. I'll never read anything else by this human. No, no, no. I don't. I won't either. I won't either. And also, what the fuck is that play title? It's like 30 words. I know, right? Like pretentious you do not need to if you have to use more words to communicate a point that's not better yeah in fact it's it's not good yeah it's yeah oh so fucking stupid okay tropes i love it i got zero tropes i could not i could not i almost did not do any tropes because i was like i don't fucking care but i got three okay tell me them at least you did something miscommunication Mm -hmm. one major theme of the book is that they all call her kath yeah. Instead of casts. Uh, token minorities, mm-hmm. which like they had, you know, Cass is gay, BB's gay. Uh, they had the, the black girl and the Asian girl and the, right? Ming is black and then the Asian. Yeah. And then nothing is as it seems. Like everything was a production. Everything was a lie. Mm. All right. That's all. Those are good quotes. I don't even care. Good tropes, good quotes, whatever it is. If I never talk about this book again. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. Soon. If you also didn't like this. But you want to read something queer. What should you read? I picked a book, but I'm going to change it right now. Okay. So I'm going to talk about mine. 
So I picked a memoir, mm-hmm. um, which I texted you. I was like, hey, I picked a memoir, just so you know, um, because I couldn't find any books that I actually wanted to read that were queer, queer-esque. So this is called Boy Erased by Gerald Conley. Through an institutionalized 12-step program, Gerald Connolly was supposed to emerge heterosexual. Instead, even when faced with a harrowing and brutal journey, Gerald found the strength and understanding to break out and search for his true self and forgiveness. So this is about the um, conversion camps mm-hmm. that were just outlawed in Canada last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Basically where people are taken and trying to convert gay people into heterosexuals mm-hmm. which is awful it is awful it's horrible that should not be a thing that was happening up until like 2021 yeah it's crazy just awful um so i i would actually like to read boy raced i think that would be interesting and a good um educational kind of book for myself yeah what'd you pick yeah i picked a book called like a woman by deborah busman Deborah Busman's Like a Woman is a vivid coming-of-age story revealing the lives of teenage girls on the streets of Los Angeles, trying to hold on to their sense of humanity against a backdrop of racism, poverty, sexism, and violence. Hmm. So I kind of leaned into, like, the young L.A. kid vibe that was in this book, which, like, you know, I think it was, this book was shitty. It was not a great book. We'll never read it again. But the circumstances under which those girls were involved in this movie... The fact that their parents were so out of touch that they let it happen. Like, it's... And blase. That's L.A. That's L.A. That's why I hate fucking L.A. I hate everything about that city. I hate L.A. The infrastructure sucks. The streets are bumpy. Like, you're going to see when we go to California. Aaron, when you cross the border from Arizona into California, you can hear the difference in the streets and the lack of maintenance in those freaking streets. It's... (laughs) I remember when I told you, I'm like, I think that will fly into Phoenix instead of LAX. And you're like, yes, yes. Yeah, you yes. will. Yeah, you will. <laughs> like, this is excellent. Yes, I approve. LA yep. is the worst city in America. LA is the worst city in America. Damn, that's saying something. Well, I, well, there might be worse ones, but worst one within driving distance of me, LA. That's fair. So you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Give us a rating if you want to. You can email us. Uh, Instagram is updated semi-regularly. And Goodreads, I still need to update. I'll do it at some point. You should see my book, Marie Girl. You should see it. You should see it. Look, I have like 38 books on there now. For your bookshelf app thing? Yeah. Damn. I have a ton of books now. Did you go back and enter them? Yeah. Nice. Look at you go. Yeah, I did. I know. I can't do my Goodreads, but I can do this app. See, I have an app on my phone that is Goodreads, but it's always signed into my private account. I don't like Goodreads UI. Like, their whole system to me is just clunky. Maybe we'll switch to, like, StoryGraph or something for the podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I won't update that either. Let's be honest. Just like the Instagram. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to I Read That. That is episode 29. I like how I give a peace sign like anybody can see me. (laughs) 